Hey guys, welcome back to Modify Lifestyle. I'm your host, Andrew. And it's your boy, Ranch. And to start things off, uh, have you seen this whole drama thing about the TO takeovers? Yeah, it's getting out of hand, to be honest. Yeah, um, l- let's just say this like before we start. If you are listening and you support TO takeovers, just just leave right now. Leave, leave, leave. We're, leave. we're about to hurt your feelings. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not a huge fan of TO takeovers, and the for the multiple reasons, they've obviously you know started their way into the car community in the wrong way. To be honest. Yeah, I think I don't know if we've talked about it before, but you know, TO takeovers. It's not even like car community. It's not even like enthusiasts. It's literally like just people with like their parents cars like stock cars yeah flooring it not even drifting i don't know if they i don't know mm-hmm. why they call that drifting you're not if you're flooring the car that's not drifting no it's definitely not and let's be honest doing a little you know skid in the middle of an intersection i'm sorry but that does not cl- classify as a donut yeah exactly <laughs> like I, i've seen videos of it and yeah. like these people that they, they they don't know what they're doing you can yeah. see it like donuts like if you just floor your car and you just spin around it's not yeah. a donut uh i i don't think uh i I watched a video earlier this week. I don't think it was from Ontario itself, but it was from a, a takeover down in the States. And literally one of the guys didn't know what he was doing and he hit a curb. And I shit you not, he kept on driving. And the, you can see the wheel and everything, the fender. It was oh, all was this pushed. The, was it like a G35? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've seen yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it just goes to show like most of the people that, you know, do this hood rat shit. They actually don't know what they're doing in, in the first place. And the whole concept of takeovers actually started with that, right? I mean, it's, obviously, it started with real enthusiasts and they wanted to just, you know, because they had nowhere to do uh, their actual racing, all that kind of stuff, they were forced to kind of hit the streets. And I, I, I understand where it started from, but what's happening in Toronto is definitely not that. Because we have a good three to four tracks around our area and no one actually, you know, makes an excuse about, oh, the track is too far. I mean, it's an hour drive, right? Or yeah, f- it's not 45 minutes, far. I think, right? Yeah, it's not that far. Yeah. yeah. So like your ex- excuse to say, hey, there's no good track. There's no tracks around us. That's false. Yeah, it's not even an excuse. Yeah. And the thing is, is that most of these people doing like TO takeovers, it's literally just for clout. Yeah, like, that, like that's why they have such a big internet presence because they want to be seen. Mm-hmm. They want people to see what they're doing, and they think that what they're doing is like what car enthusiasts do. I'm just looking at their page, and first of all, there's like a good three different pages called TO Takeovers. Um, does not make sense to me, but I've kind of narrowed it down to the official one. It has around nineteen thousand followers on it, and I was just reading the bio. Uh, so the funniest thing to me is. Uh, the the first thing I see in their caption: professional drivers on closed courses. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like what? You're professional, not, yeah. That's... Okay, professional. Okay, you just got your mommy and daddy's C six C C three hundred, and you're just sending it around the track. You're not professional, man. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. See, they're, they're trying to make it seem like they're like they know what they're doing, mm-hmm. but like they clearly don't. Like blocking off intersections just to do donuts. Like that's not professional. No, that's not, not. That, that's immature. Yeah. That's what it is. And also starting GoFundMes is not professional either. When it's, when you end up hitting someone. Yeah, yeah I saw that too. <laughs> I don't um, know what these people think they're doing, honestly. Yeah. I'm uh, not like if you if you if you're not aware, like there was this one guy, I think he he was doing donuts, it was like a beer's or something. Mm-hmm. And I think he hit somebody and then the video went viral and then he posted on Instagram, he set up a, a GoFundMe to fix his car. 
because <laughs> he was drifting, so-called drifting, and then he ran into somebody. It's so it's so dumb, honestly. And um, okay, moving on. Uh, the next thing that I found very funny in their bio: illegal activity is prohibited. So you guys really think closing down an intersection is legal? I'm just saying, it, it definitely ain't legal, bro. <laughs> it's not legal, it's especially like, if you're running from the cops when they come. Yeah. Like you think you're, what you're doing is legal if you're running 100%. from the cops. Hundred percent. Like there, I, I, I believe there was, there's actually been a couple of incidents of people running and cops chasing them too. Yeah. So and like, it, especially like, depending on where it is, because mm-hmm. if you're in like, if you're east of the city, like east of Pearson Airport, like they have helicopters. Yeah. And they've caught people with the helicopters yeah. trying to yeah. run away. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember, remember when we. Uh, we're having like a little private meet and we actually end up speaking to a cop and so yeah they have like their own street racing division in peel like it's the actual street racing division for ontario or most of the gta is run out of peel district right so i mean obviously it's a collaborative effort but it's not the smartest thing to do anything in peel anymore like any meets to for like takeover probably not the smartest idea especially in peel yeah because like for a while now cops is, like they they've kind of caught on mm-hmm. and i think it's mainly because like because of pearson airport they don't have helicopters to like you know mm-hmm. chase down any of these people right that's probably the main reason why it was so centered around peel region mm-hmm. but like you see it now like it's kind of spread out like yeah. throughout the rest of the gta yeah and you know yeah. a lot of other like police departments have also joined forces with peel region police for this project erase right right to try to like curb the street racing and like takeovers and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff and they're like well aware of this stuff too right like it's not like runs like runs is still kind of low-key yeah but takeovers like police know about it just just take that in runs is more low-key than to takeovers yeah and runs has been around for a long like, you would think that they would think about what they're doing right yeah like you would think that since they've started the page that they would actually consider that you know what they're doing is too much heat right yeah i mean yeah. It, have you been to the runs no, I've no, never no, been. you haven't, right? I, I think I've been to like one or two of them, and it's low key. Like everyone knows the rules. You never talk about it, right? Uh, all you do is just show up to it, go for the runs, and if anyone, if a cop comes, then you just dip. Yeah, and there's no like huge Instagram account like where right. everyone's posting updates and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah, and like the one thing about runs too is that they they actually do it on streets where there's no but there's no traffic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I've seen them do it on the four seven in the middle of the night when there's no traffic. Yeah. Right? Which is which is safety, right? Yeah, it's safe. Yeah. That way, you're not doing it in like the middle of intersection yeah. where there's everyone standing around. I've never heard of one person crashing at the runs. I've heard I've heard a couple times, but it was mostly in like the recent years. Yeah. Where like you know you see they invite like, people that are. Very it's like ignorant. it's like the merge with like takeovers and the runs. Right. That's where I've seen it, where they have a lot of like crashes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but like generally the runs they're pretty safe like people know what they're doing there right i i, I honestly think that to takeovers they just brought the heat onto themselves yeah and they're, they're they're like all for drama they want like the spotlight like i remember like just this week like i've seen like i'm not gonna name like accounts or anything but this is one account and this person they posted a whole post about like takeovers and how it's ruining the scene and you know all this kind of stuff and how like police are on like car enthusiasts now because of takeovers you know they think mm-hmm. that we're the ones doing takeovers and obviously like the comment section just lit up everybody was supporting this person and they mm-hmm. were giving their own take on it and everything yeah and then a couple other people who supported takeovers started targeting this person and saying how they literally said this they said that the toronto car the toronto had no car scene before takeovers existed <laughs> take take that in <laughs> okay so 
um, I'm just gonna put this out there. So like the tracks around, you know, the GTA didn't exist before yeah, the, TO takeovers. There was no import fest for the no, last no twenty imp- years. Yeah, it's like, no are you dumb? Shows, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, are you actually retarded? Like, yeah, that that shows you like the level of immaturity of stupidity. These people. I, I think there's a lot of ignorance going around, especially uh, in terms of TO takeover. A lot of the these are kids. Let's yeah, be honest. they're literally kids. Yeah, right. So like they literally don't know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. And they will eventually learn that this much heat is not good for both of them, and you know their whole profile in yeah, general. But, but I think this like that's what like takeovers. That's what they thrive on. They thrive on like the heat, the police activity. Mm-hmm. You know, all the spot like they they get mm-hmm. on um like social media. Like I think I've yeah. seen their videos on like Six Buzz. Right. That that's where mainly where they get all the attention, though. Yeah, exactly. Right. And that's what they want. That's what they yeah. like. And that's why they create drama online. Like what I've seen, like this past week, like so many different accounts have been like targeting like different people who don't support takeovers and mm-hmm. you know giving their own take on it. Yeah. And like obviously, if you're a true car enthusiast, you know that it's not good for the community in any it's way. Definitely possible. not. Right. Yeah. I mean, you can still be a true car enthusiast, right? And you can still kind of you know do illegal street activities but it's the the whole thing about to takeovers is the heat the heat and, yeah exactly and, and the clout mainly yeah and um, that's that's the thing too like people like people post videos of themselves doing donuts in parking mm-hmm. lots or whatever yeah but they don't do it like in excess you yeah know, a lot of people just do quick donut and they just leave the parking lot right right because mm-hmm. no, anyone that's been through like policing in general like if you've ever had like contact with any police officers or anything like that you know you don't want the heat they have your entire record you can literally mess up your entire life with one you know involvement with police yeah you could lose your entire car easily yeah right yeah we've actually had friends that have lost their cars too because of you know speeding impulsive behavior that kind of stuff right yeah like in general i think to takeovers they're not gonna go anywhere but it's just gonna be a division in the car community yeah, I think they feel like they're untouchable right now. Yeah. But I feel like, like, the police, they're going to catch on eventually. They, I and, think they already and have. And yeah, they already have. Like, I've seen, like, a couple, maybe this this year at least, I've seen, like, police crash a couple of the takeovers. Right. And, you know, they caught a couple of people who are doing it and yeah. stuff. So they know who's doing, who's, like, organizing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. This actually sounds, like, straight out of Fast and Furious, if you think about it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> right? Like, legal street racing. And, uh, I mean... Again, you guys can stick to the track. If any of you guys that are support takeovers also support us, you know, just to keep it on the track, man. It's not that hard. I know a lot of people are going to say, you know, the track is too far, that kind of shit. But, like, your entire life can get ruined if you're involved in these kind of, you know, meets or takeovers. And it's the one thing that can, like, you know, just ruin it for you. Your entire perspective of the culture will just be divided then, right? Because if you like both stance cars and like drift cars or any, anything like that, and you support takeovers, now you have like a whole issue with drifters and, you know, takeovers because a lot of the purest drifters won't actually support takeovers as well. Yeah, exactly. Because they, they know what they're doing and they know where yeah that activity belongs. And they're on professional tracks too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, on to the next segment. I believe a lot have heard about this, this, that SEMA has been canceled. Yeah, so obviously, like all the other huge car shows, trade shows, everything of 2020, basically, um, you know, COVID-19 has taken a toll on SEMA, and obviously they're unable to host their show for this year. 
which I think was actually scheduled for next month. Mm -hmm. So it's usually like September, October ish. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised that it, it took them that long to cancel it. I'm actually surprised too. I think especially in the States, they've kind of neglect, neglected the whole COVID-19 situation. So, I mean, they were hoping that eventually it would open up. I think that it's going to be closed, especially in the States until like 2021 when they actually found the cure to vaccines. Yeah, I think they also like another big reason is probably because like Ryan just said, the borders are closed and like no other country in the world wants U.S. citizens to travel there. Yeah. Right. So there's no way in hell that people from other other countries, which mm -hmm. is what a majority of people from SEMA, you know, it's all it's an international show, basically. Right. People come from all over the world. There's no way that those people are going to leave their home country just to travel to U.S. for this. Yeah, that's definitely true. I definitely see it happening that until a vaccine is out, I don't think anyone's going to let Americans into Canada. Just my take on it. Uh, we've seen a lot of people that are trying to get in. Like, have you seen the whole Alaska situation? People getting into Canada to travel to Alaska. And they're now actually tracking your vehicle. And if you're actually caught in Canada... Uh, you will be actually charged. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So that's, that's good on Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I believe there's actually been already four cases where the person has stayed in Canada and they've actually charged them and then told them to go go to Alaska or America. That's good. I'm not surprised. Yeah. yeah you know, like you see what's happening in like all over the world with like mm -hmm. case numbers rising. Yeah. And like the U.S., they're still like living life normally. Yeah. Normally. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so stupid, honestly. Yeah. I mean, Canada, I think, did the, took the right precautions. And look at us. You know, we're, actually, we're actually doing the same thing, but we have less cases. Yeah, we right? have, like, almost zero, zero. cases. We're not like, having house parties. I yeah, mean, exactly. Not us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, SEMA, you know, it's a huge trade show. You know, it happens every year. It's unfortunate that they had to cancel. But, mm -hmm. like, let's be honest, I'm not even surprised. Like, no. this, host, this show is hosted in Las Vegas, I believe. Yeah. Right? Which is, like, a huge, huge tourist attraction. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, like... That place is probably like empty right now. Definitely. Even though it's like majority of it's open. I'm sure hundreds and hundreds of Canadians go to the show. We've we've seen a lot of our close friends even go to it. And it's a big show. Like we're talking close to like 200,000 people going there yearly. And you know what? It, 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 if they didn't cancel this, uh, I don't think a lot of people would go anyways. Especially the people that are, you know, like really fearful they might catch covid and everything right yeah and if if you're interested in going to sema you know they do have the next eight years planned out <laughs> i don't know why that's live on their website but you know they have shows from 2021 all the way to 2028 including yeah. the dates so yeah you could plan your trip like eight years ahead yeah just book your eight uh, airbnbs right now yep for the next eight years all right so next up i actually want to talk about this topic specifically it it's like very relevant right now. But what I've noticed, like since this whole coronavirus stuff and like people staying home, a lot of people have started their own business. Yeah. And it has a whole whole thing to do with, you know, the DIY industry. Uh, a lot of the people uh, that actually end up starting their, in their own business actually did a lot of work on their car. And now they think that they can start their business. And a lot of them do succeed. But we see a lot of businesses that come and go as well. Yeah, and that's kind of what I want to talk about. Like, you see a lot of, like, really well-established businesses in the car scene. Yeah. Like, from detailing shops to, like, mm -hmm. performance shops, you yeah. know, customization shops, all that kind of stuff. And these guys are, like, the big guys in the game. Right. right? They've been in the game for, like, multiple years, decades, even some of them. Mm -hmm. So they know what they're doing. Yeah. And I think a lot of people see 
the success that they get from these businesses and yeah. you know they push for it themselves which is you know really good on them and a lot of them have mastered the craftsmanship of being a good mechanic and having good work in general and i think that's why a lot of people go to them every single time the the main issue that small businesses have and this is a big disadvantage for them is not a lot of them are you know uh, graduating techs yet uh, they're probably in school for it or they've kind of just picked it up as a hobby and then just started it as their own business right so eventually they're gonna be learning new tasks new things to do like if you start in detailing uh, your overall goal will be to do everything in detailing like ceramic coating stage 2 paint correction ppf and so on and so on and you essentially want to you know be an expert in detailing what i see a lot of small businesses doing which can be a downside is kind of taking on whatever they can get so not only are they only focusing on detailings they start doing everything so motor motor work oil changes you know tire rotations all that kind of stuff and they're working out of the garage so obviously they can offer the cheapest price but then their work is not the best yeah and that's that's one thing that i noticed mm-hmm. with like a lot of people who started recently is that these people you know most of them do have some sort of expertise in the industry yeah you know a lot i know a lot of people who are mechanics for example i like some really well-known dealerships or shops and stuff so they do have the experience they have you know the general process of how to do yeah. said thing whatever it may be like detailing maintenance whatever mm-hmm. but yeah like we just said like th- these guys they're working out of their garage Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, they may have the expertise and all that, but they don't have like the general experience in like running a full on business. Right. And that's one of the main issues. Obviously, anyone like how I see it, though, everyone is kind of treating it like a side hustle. Right. So they have like their main job and then it's a side thing. Right. And I think that's one of the main issues that a lot of people have with small businesses. That's why they don't end up going to them is it's not their first job. So you don't you won't know how qualitative their work is until, you know, you hear good experience from someone like one of your close friends or if if someone online even leaves a review. Yeah. So like if they have like a really good name and they have like a really trustworthy clientele, mm-hmm. right? Only then you'll really know like, the true quality of their work and like Randall said like most of the people doing this they're it's their side hustle yeah right and like in a world like today you know i think everybody needs a side hustle yeah not to knock on anyone's side hustle the reason why we're talking about this is like you know going over all of the aspects of this you know striving industry yeah and i think it's, it's really good like i respect anybody who does that you know respect the hustle whatever you do to make money mm-hmm. that's all on you mm-hmm. um but, but yeah at the end of the day you know if you really, if you if you have a small business or you have like a side hustle or whatever, and you really want to take it to the next level, you have to give like your hundred and ten percent. Correct. Like I see a lot of people who are working full time jobs and then they do this side hustle. You know, they're working like well into the night, and you know they're going to work the next day. Mm-hmm. There's no really time to really build the business. Right. And there's so much more than just you know bringing in the clientele in terms of the business, paying your bills, that kind of stuff, right? And a huge thing is marketing. A lot of the smaller businesses they i'm sorry to say this they don't know how to market a lot of them will like literally lose clientele because you know they can't attract people 
And the whole thing about marketing is keeping a customer and bringing on more, right? And a lot of small businesses won't have that coming to them because they're strictly on a referral program where, you know, one person tells the other, but like one bad experience, then they, they lose that, that entire contact. You know? Yeah, exactly. And I think like, that's like the main thing with this. Like I can speak from like, not really experience, but like kind of what, like what I do with like photography. Like I read, I remember I read something online, like a lot of photographers are good photographers, but they're not good business people. Right. And that mm-hmm. goes for any industry. Like if you have an expertise in like mechanics or like detail and anything like that that's your main skill set right like you're good with cars you know you know how to fix anything you know diagnostics all that kind of stuff but what you're missing is the business side of it right i think that's what a lot of people are missing like randall said Mm-hmm. Not everyone is a businessman. Remember that, right? Like it's it goes back to that whole uh, you know entrepreneurial thing. A lot of people will put it in their bio, but I can bet not one person has done it in their life. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I've seen that a lot on Instagram, and I, yeah. I question a lot of people who I yeah. see it with. It's like okay, yeah, we get it. Like you you want to start your own business and whatever, but definitely do the research before you get into it because every business is competitive and every business has its downside. Right. So before you get into it and start something new that you're not too experienced in, uh, you definitely want to make sure that you have all your, you know, corners covered before you end up taking a loss. Yeah, you def- you definitely want to know what you're getting yourself into. Like if you really want to take it, your business to the next level, mm-hmm. you have to consider all other aspects. Like you may have like the good clientele, you know, you have the expert, the mm-hmm. expertise in like your specified area. Yeah. But you really have to take down the business side of it. Like, right. um, payments for example like small things like that payments and like advertising even like your social media stuff right you know a lot of people sacrifice on that kind of stuff when they're starting off their business definitely and i can name literally a hundred like going back to the competitive thing there's a literally a hundred different instagram detailing mobile detailing pages out there oh yeah for sure like i've come across probably like a good 10 this week (laughs) yeah there's so many people who are doing it and i guess like detailing is one thing because I think the word detail just gets thrown around a lot, mm-hmm. right? Like, because people say like they're detailers, but they they literally just wash cars. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just like a, it's a thorough car wash. Yeah. I mean, we're probably gonna hurt hurt a lot of feelings. I know. Like, that, no but, offense to like anyone who does that, but yeah, that's what I see it as. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, it's detailing. If you're like going intricate, you know, a lot of people do like interior details, exterior details. You know, mm-hmm. some people even go like wash into underneath of the car, right? Right, and like all the wheel wells, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I guess like any car enthusiast, you know, everybody knows how to do that, right? Because yeah. everybody takes care of their cars. Yeah, I think that's the main thing, right? So people, so people from like from their own personal experience. And all like the things that they've learned from, you know, modifying cars, you know, cleaning their own cars, detail, all that kind of stuff. And then they use those skills to start a business, Mm -hmm. which is good. Like a lot of people who are like big names in the business, you know, they do start in their garage. You know, you have to start somewhere. Yeah. What I've found, especially for small businesses, how what can help is definitely doing an analysis before you actually get into the business. I've seen a lot of friends and family like kind of struggle because they bought all the equipment, they bought all the useful stuff to start their business, but they haven't done any analysis, like what they're getting into, what their competitive advantages. I'm not too sure if you know what this means, but SWOT analysis. So definitely do a SWOT analysis. For anyone that doesn't know, Google it. It's called Strength, Weaknesses, Opportunity, and Threat Analysis, right? And what that actually gives you is an insight of what you're looking at in in terms of competitive or the industry in general, right? If there's a certain aspect that hasn't been you know, taken care of yet or someone is kind of holding a monopoly on it, something that you can actually do to kind of get into that industry 
will definitely be beneficial to you. That's where you can kind of see how you can get into that industry in the first place. Yeah, and I think like I think that's what a lot of people are missing out here because mm-hmm. people like let's be honest, like detailing, you know, home DIY kind of mechanics and like yeah. modifying cars, whatever. That market is so saturated right now. Hella saturated. It's so saturated. Like I, I feel like half of the car community mm-hmm. are out there doing this in their garage as a business. Yo, I have all the tools too as well, right? Yeah, see, like, even you could do it. Like, as long as you have... I've done all my oil changes. I've done, you know, coil over swaps and everything like that. I've done, like, very hard installs. Like, I I think I told you I did my uh, skid plate for my old car. Yeah. One of the hardest shit of my life, but holy crap, I did it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And even myself, like, I do a lot of, like, detail. Like, I have all, like, the products and all, like, the equipment, all that kind of stuff. Like Definitely. A lot of people have this stuff at their disposal. Exactly. And because of that, like, the market is so saturated. Yeah. And I think, like, if you really want to, like, take it on full-time as a business, you have to do, like, the analysis, like Ryan just said. Yeah. You have to honestly look at a certain industry that you're good at, obviously, but you have to look at something that no one has touched yet. The detailing part, doing car washes and, you know, like, interior clean cleaning and whatever, that's anyone can do, right? Even yeah, exactly. We, we could do it. Yeah. People are just too lazy. That's what will come to you. Yeah, exactly. Things like ceramic, ceramic and buffing and all that kind of stuff, people don't want to mess up the cars. Right? Yeah, like paint that's, correction, all that kind exactly. of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. That's the that's the the way people will come to you. Right? Yeah, you have to have like mm-hmm. an advantage over other people. Exactly. And you have to, I think you have to find your niche too. Right. So like whatever, like if you're in detailing, for example, and you want to get into like PPF or like ceramic coating, mm-hmm. right? You have to start somewhere, but you also have to you know build your clientele towards that goal. So if these people mm-hmm. have like really nice show cars for example yeah. and they're coming to you for details you know the next time you could offer like uh ceramic coating for right. example right yeah yeah and uh, that's kind of gonna be your like you know strong point especially when it comes to show cars a lot of people don't trust themselves with their their car especially when it comes to ceramic coating buffing and stuff like yeah, that exactly. right but you'll obviously have the other side too where they don't trust any other mechanics with their cars too yeah right yeah. so it can go both ways yeah and I think like right now, especially with like a lot of people in the community mm-hmm. in general, yeah. they're mostly marketing towards other car enthusiasts. That's right. Right. And like, like we said, like we said before, like most car enthusiasts work on their own cars. Yeah. Right. So there's literally no advantage when you're marketing towards the yeah. same type of people. Right. So I think you have to like, if you're, if you really want to build a strong right. clientele, you have to yeah. market towards another market, like the general public even you know mm-hmm. something like that or even like high-end cars or like high-end collectors and all that kind of stuff yeah you can market towards that market right right because there might not be a huge industry in that niche that you're really striving for right in general my advice to anyone that's trying to start their own business in terms of the automotive industry definitely look at the pros and cons you definitely want to go in with open view of everything instead of you know just going into blind and you might end up doing something that you won't even like the second second thing i would recommend is obviously look at your market right um, know who you're marketing to and make sure that you're not overspending on your initial costs make sure you have a budget in place as well that will stop you from spending too much on your business so in case it doesn't work out you can still back out of it and number three, make sure you have a niche over all, all your other competitors. Definitely do your research and make sure that you're, what you're doing is way different from everyone else so that you can actually succeed in your small business as well. 
Yeah, be creative too. And like marketing, social media, post, all that kind of stuff. You know, you have to find a way to stand out from your competitors. And like Randall said too, like you have, you have to have a budget too. Like I know a lot of people who just jump into it, you know, buy all the gear, materials, you know, equipment, all that kind of stuff. And they just don't know what they're doing. So you have to know what you're doing, you know, have the experience and just slowly build your company. You know, don't just buy everything from the start or just, you know, offer every single service from the start. Mm-hmm. You have to slowly build yourself until you get to the your goals of whatever you want to be if, as a company. On that note, we're going to move on to our car of the week. All right. So this week's car of the week is something that we were actually both shocked to see. Mm-hmm. It's a VL side RX-7. And, you know, for all you car enthusiasts out there, you know that these cars are iconic for like the RX-7 line, you know, the whole rotary yeah. family. Right. Right. Just because of Tokyo Drift, basically. Yeah. For anyone that doesn't know, this is the same kit that Han had on his RX-7. The reason why it's so popular and it's actually, you know, catching on, especially in the States and Canadian culture. But yeah, very, very cool kit. I'm not too sure how much it goes for online. Yeah, uh, it's probably like hella expensive, I can imagine. Very expensive, I can bet, yeah. But yeah, this this kit, it's like, it's not like your normal body kit mm-hmm. because it completely changes the look of the car. Yeah. Like that's one thing that's like very outstanding about it. So I think this, the owner of this car, I think this car was just finished this year. Um, obviously, like I've never seen anything like this. I don't know about you. In not Toronto, at least. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. So this is probably like a first for like the Toronto car scene. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, with what's going on, we're probably not going to see it on the road anytime this year. But in pictures, it looks amazing, honestly. This car, like any form of this car with the kit on, looks amazing. I think the main thing for me is, is the how iconic this car is. Very, very rare, rare kit in general. And uh, I think what really tops it off for me is the wheels. Um, you can just tell it's such a like girthy spec, spec'd out wheels with nice tires on it. I think that's the main thing for me. I'm sure this guy probably doesn't even drift it. Yeah, I'm sure it's just like an... It's show a sh- car. It's basically. a show car, definitely. I would definitely want to see this in person, though. Uh, it looks very cool, and uh, yeah, can't wait to see it in person. Yeah, I'm actually excited. Like this is one car like that. Mm-hmm. Like we said in the past, like next year's car scene, mm-hmm. next year's like car season is gonna be insane. It's like, gonna be lit. Yeah, it's gonna be crazy, and I'll I'd love to see this car next year for sure. All right, guys. So that's about it for today's podcast. Uh, again, we appreciate you guys listening to every single one of our podcasts. If you have any ideas for topics or any questions that we can answer on our podcast, definitely hit us up, northsidewebsite@gmail.com, or you can actually DM us on Facebook or Instagram, Northside at Northside Whips. Yeah, and if you want to check out any of the stuff we talked about today on the podcast, you can check out the show notes. We'll have everything linked there. And if you enjoy the podcast, you know, you guys could, I think, rate it on Apple Podcasts. You guys could leave us a review, share it with any of your car friends. I'm sure they'll enjoy it. And yeah, once again, thank you guys for listening. And we will see you guys next week. Bye.